0: Hey y'all, and welcome to another episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I'm happy you're back, or I'm happy that this is the first time you're listening. You have come to the place where all of the shits that have been in your head will hopefully come out in some way, shape, or form. Um, Today's episode is going to be a little different, so I want to get into it relatively fast. But if you would like to interact with the show, please feel free to do so. You can follow me on all of the socials, including Twitter and including your grandfather's Black Planet page at Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. That's Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, or you can look for me as Lifestyle GBB. You'll find me on all of the socials, including Black Age Hack, or for the girls who don't know it that way, BGC. I'll also be on the MySpace, the Picassas. Um, I'm going to start a Pinterest page now that I know what Pinterest is all about, too. So feel free to follow me. You can also reach out to me by email, and that's lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Feel free to send me your rants, your reviews, your questions. Maybe you just want to curse me the fuck out. And you know what? I am feeling so generous today because I have just paused a game of Mario, and I have five lives in Mario. So that means you can use five curse words in a Email that's directed towards me. After the fifth one, I'm going to stop reading. Until then, we're good. And imagine to only be able to use five curse words to curse somebody out. That means those curse words have meaning behind them. You are using them for a reason. So, you know, have at it. But once you reach your five, just know that I'm going to stop reading. So I suggest that you end your message with, like, fuck you, bitch because a bitch is a great ending point for a sentence. Because if you stop your sentence at fuck, I'm going to be like, well, there's got to be more after this, but I'm just not going to read it. Um, Aside from that, I just want to thank y'all for listening. If you're listening and on your favorite podcast app, rate me, give me a comment, share it with your friends, family, your upstairs neighbor who decides to do fucking calisthenics and sit and be fit in their living room at six in the morning and have to fucking hear it. I swear she's up there doing fucking Donna Summers leg exercise or whatever the fuck they had. I do not even think it was Donna Summers. It was somebody. Old workout videos. They're a thing. YouTube, Google them. They're all over the place. I have completely lost track. So let's get back on it. Today's episode. Um, Today's episode, I want to talk about something that is serious because it can just come out of nowhere. And especially this time of year, I guess you could say. Um, And that's depression. Um, Depression and depressive episodes, they can come out of the blue, especially if you're someone who deals with depression or has dealt with depression in the past, or you're currently still addressing depression. It's something that you don't really have the most control over because these feelings and emotions sometimes just work on their own time constraints or they just decide to say hey girl I know you had a party scheduled today but I'm here to be your Debbie downer um and especially now we're all locked in the house and stuff and the world still technically isn't completely open but it's opening slowly and the places where it's opening up at I just have no desire to be there because the second wave of infection is going to happen. It's just one of those things well-documented throughout history that it always happens when a pandemic occurs. But I want to focus it more towards my specific scenario because maybe it can help somebody else who's out there. So over the last week, I've had a lot of interactions with a lot of people friends, family, just, you know, talking to people. Mother's Day was yesterday. Um, And just all those things where for myself, it can be a very overwhelming experience for me to see so many people and to interact with so many people in such a way. And it took me a minute to realize that I was in a different headspace and actually being able to call it out that I was having a depressive episode throughout the last five days, where it starts off as something so small as just, I don't really feel like getting out of bed today. I'm not going to get out of bed. So fuck it. I'm just going to stay in bed all day. I don't really care. And it goes from that or me saying that I'm spoiling myself by spending 27 hours of a 24 hour day in my bed. Um, it's not beneficial to me. It is beneficial to my bed, however, because I'm pretty sure my bed misses me. I say that I do this because my bed needs to reconnect with my body. It's all a lie. It really is. But I want to talk about it because talking about it takes away the power That This moment has had for me in the last couple of days. Now, like I said, it started off as something as simple as me just wanting to stay my ass in bed and not get up. And then the next thing I realized is that I have been smoking weed from the moment that I have opened my eyes to the moment that I have fallen asleep in between power naps to get up and wake up and just smoke all over again, just to kind of shut off my brain and not to have to interact with anybody. There are days where it's great. Sometimes you need a personal day. The problem, at least for me, when I think about it, especially when I get into one of these states, is that one day turns into five, which then turns into 20, which then turns into 365. And if I knew the Rent song about how many minutes there were in a year, I'd start singing it. But I'm probably sure I would get sued in some way, shape, or form if I ever do become a name that is household. So we're not going to go there. Um, But in these moments where I feel it and it starts off small, then I notice myself smoking like all of my weed way faster. Or if I have alcohol in the house, the bottle's empty before I know it. Because you know, you pour one drink and you're like, oh, it's fine. I don't feel the buzz yet. So let me pour another. Now, taking these little triggers that are signals for me that I have entered a state where it's probably a depressive mode for me, is the first big step to getting out of that depressive state. I have to be able to call myself out and it may help you if you experience this to call yourself out and say, hey girl, what the fuck are you doing? because just two days ago, you were perfectly fine. You wanted to be out of the house. You wanted to be doing yoga. You wanted to go find Godzilla. You wanted to go for a treasure hunt. You wanted to catch all of the Pokemon. And now the only thing you want to do is figure out how to turn over in your bed without shifting the covers so no cold air gets under there. I went from one spectrum for me to the complete opposite spectrum. And when I get to these points and I call it out, then the next step is figuring out what I'm going to do because I can either sit here and wallow in this feeling for myself or I can try to do something to change it. Now, depression affects everybody differently. Um, Let's talk about the facts of what depression is just so we can talk about how to get away from it. So depression itself, it is a chemical imbalance for some people, um, and it is a very common, probably one of the most common mental health issues that affects Americans, millennials, the world, people all over the world, because it can just sneak up on you. It can be a feeling of sadness. Maybe you're feeling down. You've lost a lot of interest or the pleasure of daily activities are just like overwhelming, substantially overwhelming, where you just don't want to be around it. You know, Mother's Day did just pass. And I'm not a mother. um, But, you know, for people who maybe may not be mothers, maybe people who are women, identify as women, were born as a woman, um, or biologically a woman, maybe that could be something that can affect you in one way. It can also affect men um, with this kind of seasonal depression, especially when I say seasonal depression, I think about Christmas, Thanksgiving, the holidays, the Valentine's days, where those are a lot of times where people who are dealing with depression end up having to face something that maybe they don't have in their life. And maybe that could be a source or a trigger of the depressive moment or depressive episode. And I was thinking about Mother's Day just passing. I'm not a mother. Um, I am biologically male, Um, so for myself, producing a child on the spectrum where I would call myself a mother is not feasible to me. Um, Even on Father's Day, I don't get depressed or anything like that. But then there are times where I just think about it. It would be nice sometimes to have another person to be able to share those holidays with, aside from my family, who... No matter what's going to happen, I'm going to see them during the holiday or sometime throughout the holiday season. Now, all of that being said, for myself, when I am in a depressive state, I got I got to call it out. Just like I said, I'm going to check myself. Like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? Because this is not where we were two days ago. The second step is I've got to figure out a way to change my energy. Now, I've talked about this in the past, shower playlist, um, different things to just take my mind, different podcasts to listen to. But then there are those times where that does not work. It's one of those things where it's just not working for me at all. Being with friends is always a great builder for me because I know that my friends help change my energy because their energy Is affected by mine the same way my energy is affected by theirs. You've heard some of them on the podcast, um, you know, talking, laughing, giggling, getting all their ratchet shit out and just being my ratchet, bald headed friends. That's them. Um, And there's a reason why I love having that inner circle to be around. So there are times where, let's say I'm going through a depressive state, my inner circle is my fix at that time. My inner circle are the people who I can just go and I can just talk to and let down all of the walls. Like, have no walls. Like, I had an orgy at my house and I was the only bottom. That's how open I can be with my friends. That was a terrible analogy. That was really bad. Um, But it... That space is needed. That space is needed so much because it's so helpful to change my mind. Another thing to change my mind or to change and help me get me out of a depressive state or depressive moment is sunlight. Sunlight is amazing. Now, sunlight or light therapy has been proven to help with mood and some chemical imbalances within the body. I say that because in the last two weeks or so, we had a dumbass Cheeto stain that said getting light into the body is going to kill the coronavirus. You know, that could possibly be true if it's killed by light, but you can't really expose the entire insides of a human's body to light and expect them to still live or have the exact same function that they were having before this light therapy that I'm talking about is kind of like being a plant. You know, when I look at myself when I'm in a depressive state, if you've seen a plant with flower petals that close when the sun is not in the sky, that's how I feel when I'm in a depressive state. I feel like I'm that flower with the petals that have closed. So sometimes I just have to leave my house and go stand out in the sunlight. And then it's kind of like my petals open up at that point point. And the sunlight has re-energized me for a moment, if not longer, to get my mind into a place where I no longer feel like the weight of the world or the weight of not wanting to see the world is on me it's a very beautiful thing. Now, your neighbors probably will call the cops on you if they see you standing in the front yard of your apartment building with your arms outstretched and just staring directly into the sun. You will look like you are insane. Um, the cops have not been called on me yet, but I'm pretty sure my neighbors have judged me. Um, quite fairly, they have the right to judge. Um, (laughs) because I don't know how I would feel if I just saw a random man, staring at the sun, arms outstretched like he's a flower in the front yard. That's a dollop of daisy that I just don't want on my plate. Um, So I'm not going to take on responsibility if your neighbors create judgment calls about you and start shooing their kids in the house when they see you outside, okay? Um, That is another big benefit to me, though, when it comes to a depressive state, especially now. Um, You know, yes, we're on social distancing, we're on quarantine or whatever you want to call it. So if you decide to go stand in your yard and look up at the sun, at least use protection. Um, Put on a face mask. I would suggest sunglasses because looking at the sun can be damaging to your eyes. But, you know, uh, ocular vision isn't really our... uh, are saving grace right now. We kind of want to focus on the respiratory system. So if you let your eyes sizzle in the sunlight, that's still your choice. And just because you listen to this, um, the disclaimer that I'm going to give now, the creators and producers of Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy do not support the ideas that are preached by the host, Andrew Shepard, as things that are medically sound or safe for your body. Because you've listened to that statement I am no longer liable if you go blind for looking at the sun. (laughs) But if you do, maybe your depression will be gone. Maybe you won't be able to see the things that were depressing you. (laughs) No, I don't want to make light of blindness. It's, uh, It's an epidemic. Sun blindness is crazy because... When people tell you not to look up the sun, it makes you want to look at the sun even more. Let's just be honest, it's up there. you want to look at it. it's illuminating cosmos. So why can't I stare into it? Enough about that though. Um, the third thing that really helps me when it comes to a moment where I am in a depressive state, I've got to do some kind of exercise, some kind of movement and it has to be outside of my apartment or outside of the four walls that I'm used to. So it may seem weird, somewhat counterproductive, um, when you don't want to be surrounded by people, but you go and surround yourself by people. And when I say people, I'm not saying friends, I'm saying people. People that I have no attachment to in any way, shape, or form. I remember one time I was feeling this kind of depressed mood, and I went to a cycling class random cycling class at a random gym on a random street. I didn't know where I was, so I wasn't going to be randomly abducted, but most of the actions were random. Um, And I remember going to the cycling class, didn't know anybody there, had a pair of headphones on, the cycling instructor is up in the front. And I remember I just went and I cycled and just got into the class, still didn't talk to anybody, had one headphone in with music, listening to the other through the... Uh, well, my other ear was listening to the cycling instructor. And it was the biggest relief ever. Because at that moment in my life, I was no longer Andrew, who's sitting in his apartment, very annoyed, and trying to figure out how to make Kool-Aid from eggs in his refrigerator. Um, it took me away from the moment where I was writing the end of The Walking Dead script because let's just be honest, this whole season is trash. You know what? They'll probably attack me for that. The whole season wasn't trash. Just a majority of the season, aside from the entry credits, is garbage. Um, But it took me out of a space where all I had was the one feeling, put me into a space with a bunch of sweaty people who I don't know, who... Don't give a fuck that they look crazy on a cycle right now. Pedaling to go nowhere. Let's be quite honest. That's what those cycling bikes are. You are pedaling and you're not making any distance, but you are putting miles on your body and mind that can really help. Um, So, that was just something that was so good for me to just be around people, not talk with them, but to be in a space where I don't know them doing an activity altogether. Also, it allowed me to build story time in my head about everybody who was there. Story time, if you're not familiar with it, it's when you see a random person and you make up a whole entire story of her life. Example, just so you can get into it, if you are not familiar with it, I am standing in a hallway and my next door neighbor walks down the hallway. Um, we'll say he's a white male maybe six feet tall, brown hair, average build, probably late 20s, early 30s. Story time for me is after I walk past him in the hall and I end up going in my apartment, I'm like, okay, so my neighbor, his name is going to be Brad. And Brad just left work because he just got promoted by one of the individuals who's a supervisor there who he doesn't like. He had to smile in the supervisor's face to accept the promotion, but now that he's been promoted, he's secretly thinking of ways to get his boss fired. And the only reason why I'm thinking about that now is because the way he walked past me in the hallway, he's running to his apartment to get his vision board to build the destructive path that he's going to put the supervisor on. I know, went completely left. I build a whole story that had nothing to do with the interaction I had with that person. And that can be such a freeing moment to just think about somebody else's life that you haven't experienced, but you've completely created. It can kind of take you out of that space that you're in in your head and say, okay, you know what? Well, Brad that I just created has had some horrible shit happen. Girl, you just burned chocolate chip cookies. Let it go. I know. I guess it can kind of be fucked up because I'm thinking about the tragedy of somebody else's life, but it also does give you a space to say, "Hey, it's not that bad." Because if the scenario that you built really happened, I would not be surprised if that person just was like, "Look, take me now. I'm done." <laughs> um, you know, it's just different things that I'm just thinking about that are just in my head and. There are some outside triggers that are coming that have brought me to this point. So I've talked about it in previous episodes. I've talked about it earlier. I'm getting back into the dating scene and I'm coming from my last relationship, which was a very bad situation, ended bad and really destroyed my trust in people to now, six years later... I'm getting back out here, and I'm learning to date. I'm learning to interact with people. I'm learning to like myself, um, and it's a different road. It's such a different road, which I love because I am, I am in like with someone. I'm in like with someone. I'm. I actually don't get annoyed when my phone rings and I see that he's calling. I don't feel like I need to take my phone and throw it in my oven and turn the oven on 400 degrees because it won't stop ringing or dinging or vibrating. I'm so happy when I see his messages or I hear his voice or he calls me on FaceTime and it's just like, whoa. I just get this immediate feeling of joy that I haven't felt in so long and I bring that up now because I'm in a space where I'm learning to date again but I'm still dating as the Andrew who was hurt which is bad I haven't changed the activities or the way I think knowing that I don't want to be in this space of single anymore. That didn't make any sense. And I don't know why I chopped up the sentence that way. It's just so weird. It's a whole new space that I'm getting into where, you know, not talking in broken English, but uh, getting to the point of understanding that if I want to date, I have to change my mindset from, oh, fuck you. You're only here for one thing, as opposed to no. Now I have to be there when it's not good, when it's not happy, when we're both feeling two different complete emotions and his may not identify with mine. Mine may not identify with his, but I can't just be like, oh, well, fuck it. I'll just call somebody else because it's not how it's going to work if I want to date this person. Um, And then it's also come into play that I'm still dating like a fuckboy. Let's just be honest about it. Um, I've even had a few people call me out who are like, okay, you said you wanted this, but you have completely done a 180 and just stopped talking to me. You kind of just ghosted me. And it's like, fuck, I don't want to turn into the ghoster when ghosting is what got me to where I was. So it's such a weird space. And I haven't addressed that." with myself until now. So y'all are hearing a personal (laughs) therapy session with me on this recording. But uh, I haven't actually caught myself out on it. You know, it's almost like someone says, hey, I want to see you and spend time with you today. And then that same person who said that they wanted to spend the time together finds 300 million excuses to not hang out with you at that moment that they said they wanted to hang out perfect example. I had an invite from someone to come and have breakfast, hang out, sit down and talk. I was interested in this person and then my interest kind of just immediately fell off and I didn't express that. Instead of expressing that and saying how I felt, I actually just was like, you know what? I just can't make it today and I'll text you when I text you. Then I never ended up texting the person. Then they ended up contacting me and saying, hey, you know what? You never respond to my text message, but I see you on social media all the time. Now, I'm going to give two different things here. One, I can do whatever the hell I want just to that person seriously. If I don't want to answer a text message, but I want to post something online, I'm going to do that. That's going to be me. I'm going to call out Andrew, come on down to the carpet, because this is where the issue lies. Yes, you're grown. You can say whatever you want to do. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But if you say, I want to talk to you, but then when the person tries to talk to you, you don't talk back, that's where the issue lies, Andrew. You know what you're doing. You're the girl who goes to the counter at McDonald's and says, hey, so can I try a slice of pizza? And they look back and they're like, we don't have pizza, but there's a pizza shop across the street. But then I turn around and look, well, no, I really want to try a McPizza. I would like a McStuff crust. I would like a thin and crispy. I would personally like to have a McSupreme with extra sauce, bacon, and pepperoni with black olives. And I swear to God, if you put pineapples on it, I will throw the bitch in your face. Side note, pineapple on pizza is disgusting. I stand by that. And if anybody disagrees with me, we can debate about it. The email is lifestylegbb at gmail.com. I want all of the smoke. Pineapples do not belong on pizza. But not to get off track. That is what I did. And that is what I have been doing to these individuals. And I've come up with a name for this type of fuckboy. This is the non-responsive, non-accountable fuckboy. One, you're not responding to what you put out as far as the energy you put out. And two, you're not being accountable and not calling yourself out to say, hey, you can't tell somebody you want to do this. And then when they're ready to do it, you're like, um, I'm just not going to show up for the party. Makes no sense how do we do it? How do we get here? And you can't be upset when you don't have that person in your life anymore when they said, hey, I'm tired of all this fuck shit. You keep promising me pancakes and waffles, but every time I see you, all I get is a glass of water and rice and beans. Rice and beans is delicious. So good. But sometimes you want to switch it up when you were promised the pancake and or waffle. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I do know what's about to happen. We're going to take a little break. Let's make a little money. Let's get some coins and ducats in the wallets. And then I will be back. All right, y'all. So I'm back. Um, I wanted to talk about another thing that causes depressive states for me. And this one I think is going to be very um, universal right now for y'all who are listening. The news. Now, I love the news. I am an avid news watcher. I feel like if you have older grandparents, your parents, they would always say, you know, I need to see Ted Koppel tonight. Now, Ted Koppel was a newscaster. Um, He was actually a host of one of the primetime newses that came on. And the show was not called Ted Koppel. It was like news, world news, CBS or whatever. I am like that. That's how into the news I am. I don't say, oh, I need to watch ABC's World News. I'm like, oh, I got to watch David Muir. Let's put David Muir on the TV. I need to hear what he's saying. Because not only is David Muir a hot daddy, Mm. zaddy, but he has great news hair. And great news hair is very important when you're telling the news. If you don't have news hair, I don't really want to hear from you. It just doesn't make sense. You have basic hair, we're all good. Um, I have basic care, That's why I don't do the news. So that's not an insult to anybody. But you know, right now, if you turn on the news, 45 minutes of the broadcast is going to be about coronavirus, COVID-19. That's what we're going to hear. We're going to hear the same news, the same numbers over and over and over again. And it's just not going anywhere you might as well watch an episode of Power Rangers because the news in Power Rangers has the same formula right now. You know, this is how Power Rangers starts off. The Power Rangers are at some community center or getting juice or something from some juice bar or just leaving the gym. And then as soon as they walk outside, they've got the bad guys. Now I'm old school. They had the putty to fight back in my days of Power Ranger. Now they probably have like brand new enemies to fight, like broomsticks or some shit. Um, But after they encountered the bad guys outside, then a big bad guy comes. And this is like the bad guy. He was turned from a goldfish to like a robotic goldfish that shoots out hammers from its fins. Like something like that. They'd be the most random fucking monsters. That's what the news is right now. It's a random fucking monster. So they fight, they lose the first round. Then after they lose the first round, they come back at the end of the episode, do the exact same things, and then somehow win. And you know, of course they combine all the Megazords together to make the big Megazord. And they have some Unexplicable attack that has literally destroyed 90% of the city. I'm pretty sure the population of, I mean, when I was watching Power Rangers, it was Angel Grove City. How often that city got destroyed, I don't know why people still live there. How the hell can you afford real estate when in a part of your insurance clause is going to be that your house could be crushed by a giant robot or a monster made from an everyday object? How the fuck do they live there? That's neither here nor there (laughs) because I'm going on a tangent because this is kind of representative of America right now. When I turn on the news, we get the beginning fight. It's like, okay, well, no, we actually get the beginning. Oh, we're meeting at the juice bar. Here we go. And then as soon as the news starts, coronavirus, which is the enemy attacking... Right away, then we go, and then from the first person of uh, for the first portion of coronavirus, we go into seeing the person that they call president on the television screaming and yelling at reporters or calling their questions bad or just literally saying some of the dumbest fucking shit together equate what the individual in the White House said about testing out injecting disinfectants into the human body to see if that would kill coronavirus. That is about as smart as a monster made from a coffee table that shoots out red hot hot sauce at the enemy and the hot sauce freezes the enemy. That's how fucking random it sounds. Um, But that's the news for you. That is where we're at. So then, after that, we break into something else in the news maybe a wildfire, maybe an alien touchdown, something happened very, very weird. And then we're back to the second battle. Now, the second battle, they're going to address coronavirus, which is the monster coming out. And then they give the highlight of the week, the very happy news, so you can end on a good note, which is how the battle ends. Even though, again, 90% of the city has been destroyed, which the city in this analogy is my mental health from watching the news, 90% of that has been destroyed, but this last shining percent is the ultimate attack that's going to destroy the enemy that has destroyed the city, but will not do a single thing to repair the city. (laughs) That is the news in a Power Ranger fucking nutshell. Probably did not make sense to anybody. And if it didn't, I understand it is perfectly fine. I'm taking the long route of saying that the news is a trigger for a depressive state, especially when we're in the time that we're in, because it's going to constantly be the reminder that the world outside has not changed. The world out inside has not changed. And we still don't have a clear path or definition of where we're going to be at and what's going to happen truly in the next couple of months. I mean, it's still all up in the air. It's still all speculation. So the news can be one of those triggers. You know what's a great counteractant to the news? It's going to sound crazy, but turning off your television don't watch the news. You know, it's good to stay up to date on social issues and things that are happening, but watching the news over and over again when you feel it becomes a task means that you maybe need to take a break from it. <clears throat> it also doesn't help that we have multiple killings and multiple and arrest and harassment by the police to people of color. Even now, There is a great equalizer in our world right now called COVID-19. It's affecting rich, it's affecting poor, it's affecting fat, it's affecting skinny, it's affecting men and women. Non-binary, binary, GNC, everybody. It's affecting everybody. Coronavirus does not discriminate. Corona is that girl in the club or that guy in the club who's had too much to drink and is ready to give hands to everybody just for saying hello. And to see what's happening in, well, let's first, let's talk about the social distancing. And when small parts of the country and parks and things start to open back up, We've already seen the difference in police response and brutality when it comes to people of color, especially black people in social distancing, and then white people in social distancing. Now, we've seen videos in New York. Um, I wanna say there was one in Chicago too, but don't quote me on it. I don't know the exact place. I think it was Chicago in the video I saw. A uh, police officer's arresting, beating up, tackling, pepper spraying threatening to arrest all these Black people who are just outside. Maybe they lived in a project. And if you've ever seen or lived in a project, it's a tight, confined space. And there's multiple people in these apartments, all stacked on top of each other in one building. The only space they can get is going to be to go outside. And even when they're outside, because there's so many people confined in this one space, there's going to be a bunch of people outside. But just like we've been taught how solitary confinement can destroy a person's mind, and also how humans need to interact with other humans and at least get outside. I mean, even in prison, you get one hour a day of recreation in the yard or something, as opposed to just being kept in the same confined space over and over again. Now when there's these videos that have come out we see these people the police are attacking them tackling them to the ground trying to arrest them pepper spraying all these things that are very counterproductive to social distancing Now you know if somebody's just outside enjoying their sweet little nothing by themselves leave them alone they have decided to take that risk because that risk is more conductive and reductive to harm for themselves than probably staying in their apartment for another seven weeks straight contemplating ending it all. You know, people need that sunlight. They need that space. With all that being said, the same thing happened for white people. They got out of their apartments, they got out of their homes, and they went to parks. Now, when they went to parks and the police showed up, there was no tackling, there was no pepper spraying, there was no assaulting, there was no punching, there was no kicking, there was no screaming, there was none of that. You know what they did? They walked around like they were a flower girl at a wedding handing out masks to all of these people who were white. To see the complete difference in treatment for the exact same actions that are happening, is ridiculous. It's terrible and it's angering and it's upsetting to see in the news. It can be one of those things that is a trigger for me specifically to know that even in this time when there is an unseen entity that is eliminating all humans, well, not going say all humans, but it has the ability to eliminate humans indiscriminately, but we still impose discrimination on people who are just doing something to get relief from this very troubling time, sickens me. I don't understand how it is possible that people can still function this way. Another thing that, of course, we've seen in the nude, a news, I'm sorry, not in the nude, (laughs) is the shooting of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, Which, just to address that right now, I've had some people message me and ask me about it in my inbox, how I feel about it. So I'll tell you exactly how I feel. The defense that the father and son who murdered Ahmad is ridiculous. The first thing that they have said is that they were going after this man because he stole a gun or an item from the Son's house, but the son said he did not see him. But the reason why they chased him down the street is because he looked like a burglary suspect in the area. One, there were no reports of confirmed burglaries in that area for weeks up until the time of the shooting. Two, they said they were making a citizen's arrest. A citizen's arrest can be made if a crime is clearly witnessed by the citizens at the scene. That is when a citizen's arrest can be made. They did not see the theft happen. They did not know specifically who caused the theft. So they had no grounds for this citizen's arrest. And I'm saying that in air quotes, even though you can't see them, because this was not a citizen's arrest. This was a murder that was videotaped, and that happened in broad daylight. They saw a black man jogging down the street, and because they were out to kill a black man, he was their target. It's almost like that time where Liam Neeson was talking on a news interview, and he said that one of his friends was raped, and she was raped by a black man. So he went outside walking around the streets hoping to run into a black man that he could assault and possibly kill to get revenge for his friend who was raped. Now, the son maybe could have been robbed. Maybe somebody could have broken to his house. Who knows? But that's no reason to go run out on the street and find a black man to accuse of the crime to attack and then assault and then kill murder is murder, and this is clearly a murder that we're seeing. Another thing that I have to say that is in my head when it comes to the situation, one of the lawyers who recused themselves, and I was one of the prosecution who recused themselves from the case, and that's why it's not being tried, wrote a statement. And in his statement, some of the rhetoric in there is the same rhetoric that was used against black people to vilify us during Jim Crow and after the end of slavery, and even has a lot to do with uh oh, why can't I think of the word it's essentially genocide or ethnic cleansing of the african American race, and it happened a lot with eugenics that's the word I was looking for eugenics. And in the field of eugenics, specifically, for Black people, we were described as animalistic, wild, um, dangerous. In the Central Park Five case, when the group of kids were arrested and they were pulling them off the streets, they used the term wilding or wildin. Now, of course, some of the teens are said to have said that they said they were wilding out in the street. They were wilding out there and that's what happened. That term wilding got coined for white police and prosecutors to go after Black men and say that they were out of control. They're wilding out of control. These things that are being said, just those terms that were used in the past for Black people... Is the same kind of terminology just spruced up a little bit that this prosecutor put in their statement? And one of the lines of the statement, and I don't have the prosecutor's name, I really don't acknowledge the piece of shit, but I should have it. I'm not gonna tag him in this, but you can research this yourself. But one of the statements that he said is that Mr. Ahmad Aubrey was acting in an aggressive nature. That term, aggressive nature, is just a classed up way of saying he was being animalistic, violent, the uncontrolled, angry black man. That's exactly what was put out in that statement. I just want to ask you if you would ever listen to my podcast, you dumbass, if somebody's coming at you with a gun, are you going to sit there and say, Yes, please, I'm okay with this? Fill me with lead. No, you're not. You're going to try to run. You're going to try to push away the person who's trying to attack you or something. And that's exactly what he did. And he died for it. It is unconscionable that this is still something that's happening and that people think it's justified. It's not justified. It's murder. I've heard people say that they were not wrong. What they did was not illegal. Let's be clear about some things. Just because it's legal does not make it ethical. It was legal to own slaves. It was illegal to try and get slaves to freedom. It was legal to round up Jewish people and put them in concentration camps. It was illegal to save them from those camps. It was legal to take Japanese people and put them, well, Japanese Americans, and put them into internment camps because we were afraid that they were all spies. It was illegal to hide a person of Japanese or Asian descent at that time and protect them from the travesties that were happening in these internment camps. The story has not changed. The actions have not changed. Just the words that are used to describe it have changed. And that is probably the most frustrating and angering thing about this whole situation is that you still see the same people making the same decisions that the same people who ride around with white mask on their face, calling themselves the Klan or neo-Nazis or whatever they're calling themselves now, doing the same thing in the institutions that are supposed to uphold the ideas of a nation. I can't say I'm surprised though. This nation was founded on slavery and the idea of there being people who are not equal was clearly ingrained in the way that our nation was developed. That is what I have to say about both of those situations. Um, I want to thank y'all for asking me to talk about those because I hadn't really had a chance to it's just upsetting. So I do hope that um this father and son, this uh, these bi these uh, biologically related killers, murderers, um I do hope that you have the worst existence of your life. And I hope that you go to prison. Who knows? This could turn out to be like uh what's that chick's name Amber Geiger, it could be a situation like hers. Or it could be like a majority of these situations where the white people don't come and face justice and they get a lot off. I mean, you know, when you're in a legal situation like this, you're going to be tried by a jury of your own peers. And just by seeing the connections that this family has with the law enforcement and court system in their town, it doesn't really seem like it's going to be in the favor of Ahmaud Aubrey getting justice. Uh, I that's, I'm just going to leave that there. I think I'm just going to change it for one last thing for the end of this episode. And I want to thank y'all for going on this journey with me, of me just working the shit out in my head, talking about it. And I hope it at least gives you some ammunition, some fuel or something for whatever you want to do in the future for yourself. Um, depression is real. It is very real. It affects so many Americans. It affects so many of us overwhelmingly in the Black population. Um, Therapy is a useful tool. It's very useful. Even now where we're social distancing and thing, many therapists, including the app called Talkspace, are offering remote and contactless therapy sessions. So, you know, I suggest if you're going to order some fried chicken off of Grubhub, maybe you order 30 minutes off a talk space with the therapist. You know, bust it down with your chicken and maybe get out the emotional situations that are going on inside too. I mean, it's all beneficial to you to open up and talk and have somebody who's objective that you can just say everything to. It is so useful to have that because you have your friends, you have your family, you have the people that are in your life that you can talk to, but sometimes you just need to tell a random stranger that you looked at a taco the other day and got sexually aroused by the taco. There's nothing wrong with having that conversation with your therapist because that's something you can work through. Um, I was not speaking in personal experience of, uh, Andrew, Andrew. (laughs) but you know you never know where this world's gonna take you and therapy and focusing on your mental health can help prepare you for the unexpected things that are gonna happen in life we've heard people say it multiple times but nobody at least i'm not gonna say nobody because We knew about this months in advance and, you know, they didn't do anything in D.C. Uh, Most normal everyday Americans would have never expected to be able to go to work one day and then the very next day you turn on the news and the entire nation's on a snow day. This is like the snow day that doesn't end. And to all the parents out there, my hat is off to you. I don't think I would be able to survive if I had little children in my house with me 24 hours a day. Unless I can just keep giving them spoonfuls of Dimetap or... Uh, dimatap, oh God, I don't even know if that's still out. Um, Or Tylenol PM. I don't know what to do. My children will look at me like, Dad, can you make us some oatmeal? Yep, I sure can. It's going to be grape flavored, Okay. <laughs> okay, that's where I'm done at. <laughs> I'm not promoting the drugging of your children. Um, however you get your children to sleep has nothing to do with me. And just refer to the previous disclaimer that was said at the beginning of the show. So that way you know I am not responsible for CPS showing up at your door. Because your child went to school and said, yeah, my mommy gave me dirty Sprite. That's why I slept so good. <laughs> All right. If you want to interact with the show and all the craziness and shittiness that I talk about, feel free to do so. You can follow me on all of the socials at lifestyle of a gay black Boy, or hashtag LGBB or of course, send me an email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Um, also, I will keep you anonymous if you ask a question and you want your content read on the show. I'm very happy to do that. Um Oh, I do want to put something out there. I am preparing our next HIV episode that's going to be a part of the podcast. And I am actually looking for guests. So if you would like to contribute or be a part of that episode, feel free to reach out to me and let's have some conversations. And then we're going to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, Again, just please share, rate and listen and comment to the podcast And I hope y'all all all have a great week. Thank you for listening. Without you, this is impossible. Don't go out and hug anybody because we're still on social distancing. But I'll give you one piece of advice for your day. If you ever find that your kitchen sheet, (laughs) excuse me, that your kitchen sink is clogged, the best plunger in the world to use is the stem of a wine glass. It works wonders. Life hacks. Have a good one, y'all.